But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear plantations and slave camps, labor camps um, throughout the United States uh, and around the world. Uh, Brother JLS always emphasized the fact that this is an international struggle and there are people incarcerated all around the world in this movement about bringing all of these people together so we can lead a movement against this oppression that we face behind these walls. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about the debate. We're going to be debating the debate uh, different topics of the debate, um, but we're also going to be talking about other issues, just the, the political process itself, the voting rights. Um, is it important? Is it relevant for black people, brown people, oppressed people to participate in this process? And by participating, do we legitimize the process? And then do we become complicit in the suffering? You know, are there other ways? Are there other opportunities? Uh, are there other issues that we should be focused on? Because when we debate this debate and talk about the issues that they talked about, we look at, um, they talked about the Supreme Court nomination. We talk, they talked about COVID-19. They talked about the economy. Uh, they're making a big issue about um, President Bush's tax returns, uh, racial issues in this country, health care, you know, from a, from a, I guess, a universal, well, not universal, but a national perspective around the country. Uh, some of these issues are important, you know what I'm saying? But when you get beyond these these collective issues, we have to talk about the individual issues that we have as a people. And then we have to ask the question, are our issues being heard in these platforms? Are our coalitions, are our allies, are the people who we are electing, um, the people who are holding positions of power in this country uh, as African-American black people, you know, are these people... Um, legitimately representing our issues? Are they bringing our issues to the forefront? Or have they been co-opted? Have they become a part of the system? Have they figured out ways to monetize the system and make money? You know, All these things are, are going to have to be discussed because it's, it's starting to shape up as if there's like a divide in, in, in Black America. And I speak about Black America because I'm Black. I'm not here to talk about Hispanic or Latino issues or Latinx issues. Or, or poor white people's issues, and because that's not my place. This, this platform is for all people. And so if I'm not talking about your issue, all you have to do is press one, and then you can come and talk about your issue. And the fact that we share an issue uh, means that we should be fighting together. But when I say black issues, black, I'm talking about my experiences. I'm not here to talk about anyone else. It's not to diminish anyone else's experiences, but... We do extend the invitation. The platform is open. All you have to do is press one um, if you're listening. But, you know, I like to just talk about the things that I can talk about that I know about because I know what it's like being a black person, being incarcerated, being oppressed, being disenfranchised, uh, living a a, a second-class status of citizenship in this country. So that's the reason why I talk about black because I'm black. And so I just wanted to clarify that, but we have to figure out, you know, there's a divide in, in, in you know, we are not uh, uh, one conglomerate. You know, there are diversity of thoughts in the black community. So when black people be going back and forth, why should be this or should be that? A lot of times those conversations are going from two people from two different classes. 
and they're seeing things differently. You know what I'm saying? They may empathize with some of the issues that we have in our in our in our class where we're coming from, but you know, they still have embraced other issues beyond our class structure. So how do we how do we deal with that divide? How do we reconcile the fact that you have some people who have made it and then what is their responsibility? What is what is it that they're doing? You know, what is the duty? You know, what do they owe? You know what I'm saying? Is there a reasonable expectation to have? Or are the people on the bottom responsible for continuing to fight and change our circumstances? So those are just some of the things that we need to talk about as we debate the debate and debate the issues because everyone is not experiencing this stuff the same way. And so uh, this is live from the plantation. We're coming to you live from behind walls, behind the United States of America, giving you our perspective, letting you know what we see, what we've got going on, uh, what we're trying to organize. We have another brother who's going to be coming on talking about, you know, the movement. Queen Nikki D and the Queen team, they had another protest um, at the parole board here in the state of Alabama. And one of the observations we made, um, myself, Brother Kinetic, and others who we've had the conversation is that all of the people out there that showed up, all the people who participated were representing people and family members who did not have a parole date. No one out there who showed up for the parole protest had a family member who was incarcerated that has a parole date. And so we have to figure out what's going on with that. You know what I'm saying? Why are we not engaging with the people? We know we got organizations of people in the state of Alabama plotting the scheme and working against us, organizers against us because they're chasing the money. You know, they're chasing, they, they're paying pimps and poverty pimps. And so they are part of the process of trying to keep us from being affected. But there's no excuse because our message is speaking directly to people with parole dates, and we're getting out here on the forefront trying to to build, a, to build a mobilization, mobilize people to confront these issues, and the people who are impacting, they're not showing up. So we got to figure out what the problem is with that. Um, I'm going to close with that. Uh, we're going to um, cover quite a few topics tonight. We're going to be honing in uh, primarily on the debate, particular issues. Um, I know Connect is going to be talking about political independence, political empowerment in the black community, uh, what that looks like, and really. What do we need to be doing? How do we need to be engaging with this system? I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mikael. He's going to talk about, like I said, some of the struggles with the movement, organizing, uh, some of the things he's seen, and offer his inputs um, and perspectives on that. So, over to you, Brother Mikael. Thank you, bro. Uh, first, what I wanted to point out is I've kind of been trying to figure out why we're not engaging in the movement. And when I say we, I'm talking about those who have family members who are incarcerated in the system and uh, also people who are incarcerated in the system. And what I think the major problem is, is we have a David and Goliath syndrome. We think the situation is too big for us to have a real effect on it. And so we choose to opt out and sit on the sidelines and no kind of just hope that the chips fall where they may. But we have uh, the Brother Kinetic posted an article tonight, which uh, I'm going to pull up a piece of it and just uh, show you. It says uh, that the feds, one second here, okay. Is what it says. It says court rules against punishment for profit. Okay, 
So a federal court ruling last week is hopefully the beginning of the end of one of the ways our criminal justice system punishes people merely for being poor. All right, so I'm going to stop there. What this is is the first domino. And we all know one thing about uh, federal law. It becomes case law. So if it, if it happens for one person, it happens for everybody. If it happens in one place, it happens everywhere. So we got to stop feeling like David versus Goliath, like that we ain't gonna that that one little pebble in that slingshot can be enough if we put it right in the right place and hit Goliath in his forehead, we can drop him. We can drop him all the way to the ground. So we have to stop thinking that the situation and the problem is too big and that our voices it don't matter if we there or not. That's really the syndrome. We think that it doesn't matter if we show up or not. And it does. It it really matters. And another thing that I want to point out is our lack of understanding of the rest of the electoral system. And when I say the electoral system, we show up and show out for the executive election, which is the president. But we forget all about the legislative and ju the judicial election, the local elections. And as Kinetic pointed out like two weeks ago, some of these local elections are swayed by 100 votes. See what I'm saying? And these are the people who we need to be finding out uh, who they are, what their priorities are. Do they represent us? Do they represent our problems and struggles? Do we have people that we can uh, put in these positions, that we can support to put in these positions? Because as I said, some of these people can be put in position with as, as low as 100 votes. You know, So I just wanted to speak on that tonight. I'm going to be very brief. But I just wanted to rally the support, and I wanted to raise the morale of the, the, the family members and of the people incarcerated, your voice matters. Every voice matters. Every hand and foot on the ground matters. And one voice, one foot could mean the difference between winning and losing. Please don't let the lack of your voice or the lack of your foot and hand on the ground be the reason why we lose. And I thank y'all for letting me share our piece with that. Committed. So we bring Brother Kinetic on. Um, Brother Max, I know you wanted to make an announcement. We also want to let people um, know that we, we have this conference call, I mean, this call, this blog talk call every Thursday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, you can also reach out to us. Uh, a couple of more organizations will come on, Free Alabama Movement. You can reach us at freealabamamovement at gmail.com if you want to link up, uh, talk, uh, build, strategize. Um, Brother Max, you have some information for everyone on the Abolition Today uh, contact information. Yes. If you want to hear archived broadcasts of Live from the Plantation, you can go to abolitiontoday.org. We're available on all major media platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, uh, you name it, we're on it. So go to abolitiontoday.org to hear archived podcasts. That's it. All right, thank you. And we're going to be bringing callers on, so go ahead and start pressing one uh, after Kinetic comes on. Uh, we're going to start bringing callers in. We're going to start debating this debate. We're going to start talking about these issues and just start having conversation about political organizing uh, as it relates to this, this, this electoral process, what we're seeing right now, and just the issues surrounding these, these, these elections, you know, the issues that people are having that are not being talked about. What do you do in that situation? Who do you reach out to? You know, how do you build up a database of contacting your politicians and legislators? How do you become effective in doing that? 
So we're going to try to cover some of that tonight. Uh, and this will be an ongoing conversation throughout the election process because there are a lot of problems that people are being confronted with, unemployment, uh, health care. Um, just there's so many things that are not being discussed or we're not really seeing the answers that we need. People are wondering about their survival in so many different ways, and we're going to cover some of those things uh, live on the People's Platform. This has been the Hannibal Rossan, turn over to Brother Kinetic Justice Amon. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to say peace and blessings uh, to all people, peace to the God. Uh, like, uh, I just wanted to thank the brother uh, <clears throat> Benu and brother Mikael for, you know, lacing the track and, you know, setting a lot of things uh, straight in regards to, uh, you know, what we're about and what we're striving to do. And, you know what I'm saying, uh, the real feelings of what we have in regards to the work we do. Um, as the brother mentioned earlier, you know what I'm saying, we uh, have made an observation that, you know, we've done seven protests this summer uh, at the parole board. And it's sad that all of these people that were out here at these protests uh, standing in support uh, of their loved ones, their loved ones don't have a parole. They, they got life without parole. But they're out here supporting uh, the change in these laws because they understand that um, just because other people don't fight for an issue, uh, doesn't mean that someone doesn't have to fight for them. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to figure out the dynamics of that, of why those with parole dates, uh, those who are being denied parole, those who uh, are not paying attention to see that the parole board is really just closed. Um, they're not letting anyone out. They're not paying attention. Um, but I'm sure that their family members are. So, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be a disconnect somewhere between the brothers on the inside who are dealing with these issues and their family members on the outside, um, the reason that they're not linking up and, and supporting these protests is to push uh, for a change at the parole board. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's a, a conversation for our strategy sessions uh, amongst ourselves on the direction that we're going to move. Uh, but tonight, you know, I want to stay focused on uh, some of the uh, points that we want to address on this show. Um, one of the key things that we talked about was uh, the, pro, uh, the debate, uh, the so-called presidential debate. Um, you know, and I'm mad at myself for uh, sitting there for an hour and some change watching it. Um, but <clears throat> during the course of watching it outside of the infantile, you know, behavior of, of both of these guys, you know, I was struck with something. And I was realizing that we are, as a people, we are sitting here uh, debating with each other about which one of these rich, white, uh, men, you know, the old old white men who out of touch with what's really going on in our communities and our society, but we're sitting here debating about which one of them, which is lesser of the evil, who, who done more for black people, or who hurt black people more, and these superficial political ploys that, you know, why are we feeding off into that? I'm saying it's too late in the game. I'm saying the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, it's all a part of the system. It's a game. You know, get in the game, jump on the Democrat-Republican bandwagon, and that's it. But that's not it. I'm saying we as a people uh, collectively, you know, so we can create an alternative to that. You know what I'm saying? If we learn to unite and come together and speak in one voice as a community, then we exert our power. We establish the power. 
So, you know, when I was watching the debate, and, you know, I was laughing at this and that, you know, because it seemed like something in prison, you know, a debate in prison where people talking over each other, arguing back and forth, you know, not respecting the rules of debate. You know, all of that was going on. But, you know, that's what you can expect for the people um, who fighting to run this country, this corporation. This is a hell of a corporation to run. Whoever gets in that position to run the corporation, you know what I'm saying, that's their lifelong dream. But I bet you they lifelong dream ain't got nothing to do with us. It ain't got not one thing to do with us. And it's time that we realize that the political process is set up for people to exert their power. But we're not exerting our power because we're giving it away. We're giving it to this, this guy who put a commercial on TV, this guy who put a stick, uh, a sign in our yard. You know, they just put it up a billboard. But we don't know nothing about these people and their track record. But it's outside of their track record because, you know, they're going to be politically correct as much as they can on record. But what type of people are these people that we're giving our power to to represent our interests and to speak for us and, you know, fight for my best interests? Who are these people we giving our power to? We have no clue until they come around the election time. Then we want to talk about what he did, this and that he did, that. But come on, man, let's be real. We living day to day. We ain't living every four years. We ain't living every two years or whatever. We live in every day. We need to take control of our lives, of our communities, and our, you know, designated area we can create for ourselves if that's what's necessary. But while we're dealing with uh, the politics of of America, I'm saying, of Alabama, of any one of these states, is I think, I believe, if it's just me, this kinetic, this just my position, I think that we're better off if we create an alternative political party, a people's party that deals strictly with issues that affect our community, rather than whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or all that, because I don't even know what a Democrat or Republican is. I don't know what they what they stand for and none of that. I don't know. But I do know one thing through experience, ain't neither one of them had our best interests at heart since I've been studying history and since I've been studying politics and legal uh, legalese. Ain't nobody had our best interest at heart. So why do we continue to play into this game? Now, I'm going to tell you why we still play into this game. And we play a little more, you know, a little more enthusiastic now. Barack Obama. To see Barack Obama become president, you know, it sold us. We, the system works. We can be a part of it. But what about your life actually changed by putting somebody with the same skin complexion in office? That's not going to do it. But it tricked a lot of people into this system, buying into this system like this system really works for you, like this system really address your issues and so forth. It's time for us to come together, put our minds together, create some think tanks, and map out a platform that's based on issues that affect our community and begin to organize and bring people together. Because, you know what I'm saying, uh, the position I'm coming from is, you know, those incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? We are, we are a class of people. Uh, by ourselves, and so many of us, two what, two point five million of us uh, across the country now, add two people from your family or your contact list off into that. See, this is the type of numbers we need to be start doing math and start adding. Then we get a voice. If we can create a voting block with one or two people out of each person that's incarcerated family and bring them together, organize, and that they all understand the platform and the issues and the agenda, and they speak in one voice and they vote in one voice. I promise you a lot of things about our life will change immediately because we'll take control 
uh, of our destinies. We'll start community control. We don't need no police in this community. We got it. You know what I'm saying? We don't need this. We got we control ourselves. We patrol, you know what I'm saying? We police ourselves, so to speak. We don't need it. We we believe in community control. The people in the community, you know, they govern themselves. So, you know, we just, you know, trying to educate people as much as we can about this system, not just the criminal justice system, not just the prison system, because they all intertwine. They all interlock and they intertwine. One goes with the other. You know what I'm saying? People talk about racism and is Trump racist or is Biden racist? It's irrelevant if they're racist. And why is it relevant? Because they have institutions and systems that are already set up with structured and systematic racism already embedded in them. It doesn't matter who sits in them chairs. As long as they stick to the protocol, it's going to produce the same results that it's been producing. So, you know, we got to do a little more research and get to the root of what our problems is and how to address them. You know what I'm saying? That Free Alabama Movement, you know, we pride ourselves on saying that, uh, you know, we don't just talk about problems. We spend 90% of our time talking about solutions, trying to develop solutions to the issues that we already know. Because we've been talking about them for years. You know, they ain't, they ain't just started yesterday or last week. So it ain't like we just got to do no crash course of getting introduced to what's going on. It's been going on. And we as men ain't been doing what we're supposed to do about it. So it's time, you know, for us to take responsibility for ourselves and our women and our children and our community. And by doing that, we start by establishing a strong political base for ourselves to have a voice in what goes on in our cities and our communities and so forth. So, you know, me being the political strategist of the Free Alabama Movement, I'm going to continue to stress that, you know, we economically, we have an understanding of what needs to be done and how it must be done. Socially, I think we have a team of people who are perfected you know, exposing and humiliating and educating people through social media and other venues. It's the political power that we need to execute these plans that we have, these these desires or what we call demands, but they seem like desires because ain't nobody respecting them because we keep begging for them. But I promise you, direct action will make a lot of that change. And with that direct action and a political base, you know what I'm saying, we can chart our own path from here. We can control our own destiny. We can become self-determined as a people, those who choose to, and those who choose to continue to participate in the in the fraud of this system. Then you know that's your choice. You know, it's always going to be some who going to who going to just choose to do you know what's against their own best interest. And all we can do is you know pray to the Creator that all is well with them. And you know that's that's how that go. And with that, you know, uh, like I said, I look forward to the conversation tonight, uh, touching on some of these issues because I always enjoy, uh, you know, intellectually wrestling or, you know, debating with, with brothers. You know, it strengthens the mind. It strengthens the understanding. It expands the, the comprehension. It broadens your perception. So, you know, I hope that tonight from listening to the show that out of one of those things, you get your perspective broadened or you, you know what I'm saying, you get your understanding deepened. Uh, you get more intimate and more uh, entwined in the issues and the struggle that, that we are fighting for freedom, justice, and equality and human rights and human respect uh, on a national and international level, uh, not just the local level. But, you know, we start from the ground up. We ain't trying to jump to the top. You know, take one to get the two. So, you know, we're going to do, we're going to start in the local, and then we'll take it regional, then we'll take it state, and then we'll take it on a national level if that's, you know, the path that we choose to take. And, you know, that's the path that I'm proposing. So, you know, it's still up for debate amongst, uh, you know, my peers, but, you know, so I just want to, you know, put information out to the people and let them know uh, the things that we're, you know, the ideas that 
we're developing that even if that we can't manifest it, that maybe somebody heard of the idea and was able to develop it and manifest it. Uh, so, you know, we uh, each one teach one, you know what I'm saying? We learn in order to share. So that's what this is all about for us. So with that, I'm going to turn uh, the show over uh, uh, to the host so uh, we can get off and see if we got any callers. And with that, uh, uh, Brother Bennu, I'm a piece with that. All right, peace, uh, Brother Kennedy. We appreciate you uh, for sharing those insights. Uh, we're about to get ready to start bringing on callers. If you've already pressed one, just be patient. We're about to start bringing you on in just a second. If you haven't pressed one, go ahead and press one. And uh, we're going to start bringing in callers. And like I said, we're going to be debating the debate tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, politics and what we can do uh, to strengthen our position. And one thing I want to emphasize before we start this calling process and start this debate is to remember that for the people on the box, the people behind the cage, we have a we have an issue. We have one issue. Our issue revolves around freedom. And so when we polit- when we're talking about putting a political party together, we're talking about putting a group of people from our family the members were not together to say that the freedom of their loved one who is incarcerated is 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 an issue for them that must be a part of the political process in order to receive their vote. That's not to say that they don't have other issues. They may want they may have other issues with, like I said, what we heard from the, the president, the health care issue, the racial issue, the income tax, the economy, COVID nineteen Supreme Court. We understand that that other people have other issues that are different from our issues who are incarcerated. Even our family, our, our mom, dad, brothers, sisters, they have other issues, student loans and 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 and, and, and health care and, and child uh, child care. They have other issues. And so when they go to the, the, the polls to vote, they're supposed to be voting for people who are going to represent those issues. Well, what we're saying is that we have an issue on the inside. And so when we reach out to our family members and when we start our process of, of, of building our little base, then we're saying that we're asking those people who are becoming a part of this this political party that we're trying to establish and put together, is that for you to say to whomever that shows up at your door with a sign or or that piques your interest, but when you pull up on them and say, yes, I'm willing to vote for you, but I also have this issue, and in order for you to get my vote, then you must also be willing to make this issue a part of your platform. And so we have to make that statement relevant. And what I mean by that is when our family members pull up, they have to let them know that they are part of a group of voters who stand behind that. And so when we have these protests and when we have these rallies and we have these demonstrations, this is the time for the people who are about that to show up because these people will look. They're paying attention. And what they're seeing right now does not give them any incentive to say, we need to see what they're talking about. Hey, I need to partner with them. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we want to do. We want to. We have to create something that's strong enough to make people say that they have to pay attention and to get people to understand that our vote has the potential to become a deciding factor in your election. We can vote against you or we can vote for you, but these are the issues that will make that decision. And so that's what we're trying to do. So, Max, do we have any callers at this time waiting to come on? Yes, uh, actually, we do. Uh, 5911, you are live on the plantation. 
Good evening, gentlemen. This is Jamelia calling from California. Um, can you all hear me okay? Thank you. Okay, yeah, we perfect. Can hear you just well, fine. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so I, I've got a couple people who I, um, I invited to call in on the call. Um, one of them is uh, my cousin's husband. His name is Ricky Godfrey. Ricky is calling from California. He's only got a few a uh, few moments because he's calling from a a wall phone. But he it's dropped in regards off to. Uh oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. He can you hear off already. Yeah, I can hear you, but okay. that call dropped already. Oh, they dropped. Yes, that call. Is that dropped. what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Okay. I think I think she's gonna try to call back because he's calling from a wall phone. He only has a a few minutes to be able to call in. Uh, but he was calling to touch on uh, one of the subjects of wrongful convictions. Um, as tomorrow is National Wrongful Conviction Day. So if uh, they have the opportunity to call back, hopefully they'll be able to jump back in on the call. Uh, but I wanted to, uh, number one, I want to thank you all for creating this platform um, and giving, you know, giving everyone an opportunity to be able to chime in. But a few of the things that you all have said have been very profound to me, and I, and I want to kind of reiterate the importance of it, is that um, you know, it's important that the issues that are happening in Alabama – um, are highlighted outside of just Alabama, uh, because when we are able to come together collectively and work collaboratively with one another with a like mind and a same agenda, that is how we are able to get things done. Um, and another thing is I think that it's very important that you're making mention of not just being civically engaged during a presidential election year. Now, we, we see that being problematic all of the time, and most people don't realize that um, once every four years is not what directly impacts our lives. It's being able to become civically engaged in your local elections, in your county, in your city elections, because those are the that are making the laws and implementing and, and, and uh, uh, holding, holding people accountable um, at the local level. And so when you see parole board um, uh, you know, uh, officials, when you see wardens, when you see sheriffs in your local city and your county, and they're not doing the things that are conducive to our overall well-being as a community, those are the people that we are supposed to be electing in and out of office. If they're not going to work for us, then we need to be able to come together and we need to be able to get them out of those positions and put people in who are willing to. Uh, we also need to get to a point where we start to train and educate our youth leaders that are coming up so that they can they can get into these positions. We need to be able to start to target, you know, young men and women that are coming out of households where their fathers and mothers have gotten caught up in mass incarceration and they are directly connected to these problems. They're the ones that we need to make the next politicians. They're the ones that need to be able to go in and fill those seats because they are directly connected to what's happening and it's impacting their lives. So with that, I'm going to be quiet and uh, – let someone else jump on. Okay, we appreciate you for calling in. Also, for you uh, highlighting the fact that tomorrow is wrongful con- conviction day. Um, there are several people posting all across social media asking people if you have a loved one whose name you won't mention to become part of this day, then to to um to to provide that information. So if you're listening and you want to be a part of that, yes, please um reach out to to the organizers of this event and get involved. And another thing I wanted to comment on, uh, what Sister Jamelia said, 
is that we participate in these uh, political processes every four years. We've been oriented that way. They, they, they've strategically figured out a way to do that, to make us get engaged at a, in a small period, a small window. And when that window closes, we don't pay attention anymore. And when we're not paying attention, that's when all of the devilment is going on. That's when the bills are passed. That's when the decisions that impact our lives are being carried out. And during that time, they figured out, both parties, both parties have figured out a way to benefit from this. Neither one of them is going to expose the other one. And so what we're doing is to, to, to raise awareness about that. We want people to see and understand that this is, a, this is systematic. This, is, this has been plotted. This has been planned. This is, you've been groomed to not pay attention. The system does not want us paying attention the rest of the time. And so we want you to pay attention, but we have to figure out a way to organize that. And that's why it's important for everyone to be involved. You know, it's not you can't you can't jump out there uh, like a rabbit running the race without realizing that you're gonna run into some pitfalls. You're gonna run into the bush. It's not gonna be perfect. You know, starting out trying to organize something is not gonna be easy. It's not gonna always make sense because. You got to remember, we're, we're dealing with a unique set of circumstances, people behind the wall, people in prison. What looks good and works in society does not translate well inside of these prisons because of the social structure that prisons have. But that's where the organizing on the inside coming in, and that's where the support needs to be directed. A lot of people are directing their support in the wrong direction. You know what I'm saying? The people who are not actually doing the work, the people who have too much of a self-interest, too much of, you know what I'm saying, of the wrong intentions. And so we're trying to organize this thing uh, on these political fronts, on these social fronts, on these economic fronts to get people involved and understand that there's 25,000 people in the Alabama prison system. There's over 100,000 people in the California prison system, Texas, Florida, and whatnot, and whatever the numbers are in these other states. And this is a tremendous amount of political power. If it's organized, if it's not organized, it's nothing. But if it's organized and if it's attached to repealing and replacing the 13th Amendment, then it is very powerful in that conversation. So we have to figure out a way to bring that together, and that's what we're doing. Uh, our Chief Political Strategy Committee Justice is working on putting that platform together, getting these things together. But we have to have support. People have got to get behind us. But we also have to do a better job of communicating our vision. You have to become a little bit more organized. You have to become better uh, managers of these projects. We, we've not done the best of job. We, 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 we readily admit to that. But we also admit to the fact that we're committed to doing better, and we want you all to be a part of it. So uh, let's we got next caller, Brother Max. Uh, yes. Next caller coming in is 0481. You are live on the plantation. 0481. Hello. Can you all hear me? Yes. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, we can uh, hear you. Uh, Thank you for coming live from the platform. Go ahead. This is Ivan in California, man. And as y'all know, I'm incarcerated. I just want to touch in with your brothers, man, and, and uh, listen to what you guys are talking about. And I've been sitting here like, man, y'all really covering the bases, right? Uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, speak on is when we talk about organizing in the community, as I sit here and I listen to what, you, what y'all were saying, I couldn't help but think about uh, – one of these books I had read a, back, a while back uh, by Elaine Brown, and it was Taste of Power. 
And in it, she talked about Huey P. Newton's survival programs and the fundamental importance of the survival programs when it came to organizing people. So when we sit up and we think about, you know, why people are not showing us these protests, why people are not politically engaged, is because a lot of our families are engaged in the struggle to survive on the streets. So one of the things that uh, Huey had identified early on, and this was part of the reason why he brought about these survival programs, which was the graphic program, sick cell amygdala, uh, program, the uh, education program, was because he identified that before we can organize the people, we have to find some way to at least try to meet their basic needs. Now, I know that's a tall order, but when I think about a lot of what I hear and talk to people out there on the streets, a lot of times they so caught up in that survival mode and, and just trying to put food on the table. they just like, you know, we love you, but it's hard for us to get out here and show up because we ain't even got gas money. So, you know, I just wanted to add that little bit to it in terms of, you know, when we think about, you know, why people are not showing up out here or uh, what they may be going through, we may want to, you know, give some consideration to, you know, what they have to endure as a result of how the system is also impacting them on the streets. Because, you know, us inside of this own lock, uh, we see it, we understand, and we're a little more hard-pressed in terms of we're going to make the sacrifice and show up regardless of what it may cost. Uh, for others out there on the streets, that may not necessarily be the case, and that's what we really have to, as uh, the brother pointed out earlier, address political education and really inform our peoples about the need of their participation. Okay, well, let me. Um, I want to add something to that, and I agree with I, I agree with everything you said, and I agree with I agree with the premise of survival of the frequency. But the, the the part that I want to just kind of back up and go beyond is that our organizing does not start in the streets in the community. Our organizing starts in the prisons, and so that's when I say when it's important for people on the outside who understand these issues and understand the struggle for organizers on the inside. That that's where their support and resources have to be um, committed to because there's a, a struggle for survival on the inside also. And so when we reach that, that survival, that level of survival, when we reach those people and we educate, see, the, the, the people on the inside cannot engage their family members on the outside until they first become reach or awoken themselves. You know what I'm saying? So we got to get the guys on the inside to understand what's going on, uh, why you're fighting for survival, how what we're offering you can help you with that fight for survival. Only then will these people be able to reach outside and say, hey, you know, I need you to go to this protest, and here's why. I need you to go here, and here's why. But see, the problem that we have is that everyone's trying to focus on organizing the community and getting the people in the community, this and that, and that. but that's not our struggle. That's a part of our struggle. These are our communities. But the problem is the communities that we're in, we haven't saved these communities yet. And until we save the communities, our media communities behind these walls, these people are no, of no value to the struggle of the community on the outside. We can't we can't share our knowledge with them. We can't because we don't have it. So we first gotta save our inside communities. We've got to figure out how to get the brothers on the inside and sisters on the inside to wake up and come to, and that's where the political education for the inside has to begin at. So, and that's not 
you know what I'm saying? But that's not a statement against anything you said. Because like I said, I believe believe in everything that you said. But what I'm what I'm adding to that is that, and that goes back to when we talk about you know these organizations and people like to use the word organized and structure, and we like to use these phrases and whatnot. But when you hear people talking about them, the examples always are from nonprofits on the outside, organizations on the outside, and until the reality is, so we got to get the people on the outside with nonprofits and to understand that the way that they're structured, they put their boards together and they put their members together. And you can't do that on the inside. There's already a, a board structure. There's gangs. There's a, these people already have identified leaders. And you can say, well, this is a nonprofit and we're going to make this guy business. It don't make no difference who you put in any one position. When it comes to the social structure of what's going on, it's already late. And I'm going to add one more point to that, and then we're going to get to the next caller. That the struggle, this prison human rights struggle, the most recent one that we're in right now, I would want to say it started with the hunger strikes in California. I think the first one was in 2009, the next one was in 2011, and then the big one was in 2013. Those people didn't have no 501Ks or 501C3. They didn't have a business, but they had a structure. And it was based on the structure that was already in place in South Korea. That's California. Go over to Georgia. They didn't have a 501c3 or 501c4. They didn't have all this stuff because that doesn't work on the inside. Move on up to December 9, 2002. Then over to Free Alabama Move. Then on over to the other, the, the nationwide work strike in 2016, the nationwide work strike in 2018. We didn't have all of this. So people that's becoming and, and asking for those things and want to see these things, these are people that are not even conscious of their own social environment and not understanding what will work and what won't work. We had a lot of support from professionally organized nonprofits or whatever you want to call it. We had a lot of support. We couldn't have did what we did without it. But these organizations served as support. You know what I'm saying? There was no way for us to incorporate a single one, not a single one of these organizations have been successfully implemented and structured and organized on the inside because it don't work like that. People have got to understand what works and what does not work on the inside, how the inside is structured, and to tap into that and to quit trying to bring outside free world structure ideas, organizations in the inside in the way that they're already put together. They can work but not the way that they work in the field. I just wanted to add that. And if anyone wants to chime in on that, uh, debate that, or dispute that, or conversate on that, um, we, we always open to conversation. We don't, we don't come on here pretending like, you know, we our knowledge comes from on high. You know, we're just dealing with what we see. And, and what I just reported was what I've seen and what we've dealt with in the Alabama movement over the seven years that we've been active. We've never had any of that because we've never been able to figure out how to make it work. You know what I'm saying? As far as just saying on the inside, this is what it is because people get transferred, people get moved, people get knocked out of communication. It's just a way that you can do it on the ground. On the inside, that just doesn't work on the outside. I'm pleased with that. Matt, have you got any more callers? Yes, we do. Uh, 8528, you are live on the plantation. 8528. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead. Yes, sir. We can hear you just fine. Go ahead. Peace, God. Power to our people. Hey, man, this is Abdullah, a former slave of the plantation, 
and a former slave that once hey, had Hey, what's up, Brother Abdullah? Okay, I just caught the voice. This is Brother Abdullah. Hey, what's up? What's up to all my former sale partners and all the people that I call friends? I just want to speak on this. Yeah, hold up. Peace, black man. Peace, black man. Peace. I just want to speak on the issue as far as I've been out here this time, span that I've been out here. And I want to touch on what, what uh, Brother Marvin said earlier about the parole board. Is that, you know, you're saying some of the people that are out here protesting at the parole board have family members that have life without, and the ones that are not protesting. You know, they either don't have family members or not in contact with them. But I just want to share the point that even having, even anyone that has a family member in prison that has life without doesn't mean that they are not ever going to get out of prison. The system may say that, but other means than God says different. And with that, I just want to share that on the, on the political debate, you know, I, I really don't have a political view because, like the brother said, we have two infantiles fighting for an office that the system is already in progress, and it's already set. So whichever one of them gets in there, they're going to continue to follow the system that's already established. And like the brother said, the moment they go against it, then they're out of there, even by their own party. But what we have to do as a people, too, is that a lot of things that affect this system and in our local state area deals with our local government. You know, right now, yeah, it's election time for a president. But like you said, what about the senators down in the capitals of all these different states that make these policies that actually affect where you at? These are the people you need to be focusing on too, or we need to be focusing on that, like you said, if they're not promoting what's going on and for our cause, then they need to be out of there. And one of the things, like the sister said earlier in her comment, is that most black people that have a child that comes up and they think they're going to be something in life, they want to, you know, guide them towards sports as far as, I guess, for financial gain. But the thing about it, our situation is bigger than that. And to get changed, we have to start, like like the sister said, we have to start cultivating young minds that can get in these offices, that can do some good on a whole for our cause. Because we're always looking for help from somewhere else. We always want somebody else to help us when the help lies within us, if we can come together. You know, so, and I'm going to say this here, Marvin. You, yeah, I know you said it's up, you know, about a few minutes ago on the grassroots thing. Out here and in there, everybody's not on social media. So everybody don't see what's going on in prison unless they get it word of mouth. Or, but for the people out here to know what's going on, to support it, you still have to have a grassroots out here that can inform them of why things are happening in the prison system and in their community. And I came under my funding. That was my first, that was my first, you know, example to anything political. Because I came in the system young and ignorant, didn't know nothing. And 
I met a lot of brothers that changed my perspective on a lot of views that affect me as a black man in this country. So I still feel that grassroots out here need to know what's going on, but they need to have the people that have been there to be able to help them understand and give them some type of insight as to why it's needed and what's going on with the prison system. And that's in all states. That's not just here in Alabama. That's in all states because we make up the greater majority of the populations of these prisons across the board. And that, let, let me introduce yes, something right there where you at. And then when, when I get through, I want Kennedy to follow up after you get through. I want to follow up on it. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when you say we need a grassroots formation out there, okay, see, the problem we have with that is that, it's, you know, over the course of from the first time we had our strike in 2014 up to today, uh, back in around 15, 16, 17, when, when we were most effective, when we were forcing legislation to be passed, we were forcing the, the uh, second parole board when over a thousand some people made parole in that span. See, a lot of our guys, unlike you, unlike, you know, a couple more, they ain't supporting us. We have a grassroots network out there that has the, uh, uh, the capacity to do just what you said educating the community and stuff, but they're not doing it within the structure of the movement. And that's where we need it because we need everyone together on the same page, pushing the same message. And we reaching out, you know what I'm saying? These brothers, we done did decades in prison with, we done went through all kinds of struggles with, but they not making themselves available to this movement and they're not carrying the flag or the message, but they benefited from it. They, they, they gained their freedom from it. But they ain't showing up. So how do we address that? And how do we get these guys to understand that the people that they said they love, the people that they broke bread with and went through all these lockups and trials and tribulations, how do they understand that our struggle is still ongoing and that we need them now more than ever and they ain't showing up? Because even if don't no family members show up, look at all the brothers who done been released because of these work, these efforts. That ain't showing up. So I just wanted to throw that in there, and maybe you can speak to that, and then we can uh, go go uh, let Kinetic follow up behind us. All right. Well, I just, I'm I, I just want to make a short comment. Uh, first and foremost, uh, what's up, bro? I do it. I miss you, bro. Uh, what's up, bro? But a, a point that he was making is something that uh, when you were talking, I thought about if we uh, got some of the brothers, like I said, it's, it's hundreds of brothers that you know, came through the trenches with us uh, one way or another that have been released in the last, you know, five, 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 six years. You know, a lot of brothers that we know them made it out. And, you Correct. know, and we, we, we conversate with a lot of them. We communicate with a lot of them, you know, here and there. You know, they might look out here and there, but, you know, interacting and getting involved in what's going on is kind of hard. I understand. You know, I done talked to a brother 13 and, you know, I done talked to, you know, different brothers and and I understand, you know, when you've been in this situation 20 years plus, and you you behind the eight ball, and jumping out trying to get, a, you know, adjusted to being out here, readapting to being out here, trying to keep up with what's going on and figure it out, it's hard. You know, he he helped me understand it's hard. You know, what I'm saying to do a lot of these things and try to stay focused out here in the streets. And I just, you know, what I'm saying I understood where he was coming from, and that you know I can understand that it's a struggle after. 
two decades, you know, getting back out here trying to get re, uh, you know, adjusted to to being in society and the different norms and sanctions that go on here. And a lot of them get lost in the sauce. And, you know, they every now and then might think about, you know, those brothers that, you know, saying they, they would have died for or killed for while they was in here. You know, every now and then think about it and, you know, send some money or something. But that's not what we need. We need brothers, especially all the brothers who come through Halifax or who, you know, who've been influenced by Mr. Mafondi or who come up under the teachings of McConaughey or these brothers. You know, these brothers understand the struggle and they understand what we're doing and they know why we're doing it because it's a continuation of what we've been doing for the last 20 something years. So, you know, what my thing is that when I was listening to you is that maybe we need to start, you know, reaching out and, you know, getting in touch with these brothers and, you know, you know, really. Hello? Sound like we lost somebody. Did we lose Kinetic? Sound like we lost that entire conference line that is on there. Oh, man. Uh, I'll look out uh, for do, them. That we, do, do we still call have callers on back? Yes, we do. Okay, I wanted to, for those that are listening, I wanted to say this. I wanted to say this to him is that I got out here 2014 after doing 26 years and having life without parole. And a year after I got out, I got involved with the Million March on Montgomery, doing flies, trying to help promote to get people down to the Capitol to do the same thing they are protesting about on the injustice that's going on. What, what the brothers don't understand is is that there are a lot of guys out here that I'm in contact with all my brothers that's out here that I broke bread and now. But a lot of guys, it's not that they don't want to participate, but there are consequences if you get found out as an ex-felon for participating in this here, that your consequences can send you back for something that's breaking a parole violation. Because we all have to sign a piece of paper agreeing that we're not going to do this, we're not going to associate here, we can't be involved here, we can't go there. We have all these different uh, uh, obstacles that was placed in front of us before we ever stepped foot in here, like it's a part of the system, to try for us from being that person to try to help those on the inside get out or share and spread the word. So there are a lot of brothers out here that want to, but have a fear of repercussions because if they are found out, it's not that they don't want to assist in a political manner, but it comes with consequences that if you're telling me I just did all this time, and yeah, I want to help on this level, but I turn around, I'm right back in there with you because this board has deemed me in violation of some some rule they've established that I've signed. I had to sign if I wanted to get out. You understand what I'm saying, Matt? Yes. And there are a lot of guys out here that could be that foot soldier, and there are some out here that are being foot soldiers, but they are moving in silence because they can't move in public. But I wanted to say that to the brother there because, like I said, those out here in society, not everybody's on social media. So not everyone sees what's going on unless it's broadcast on one of these 
major news, and that's only going to be a little brief pause. And if they do show it, it's going to be to highlight why they need to keep prisoners locked up. They dogs, they savages, they killing each other in there. These are going to be the reasons why they perpetuate and keep up going on what they got going on. And I hate the brothers, you know, the call got disconnected. But I just wanted to share that and get on here, bro, because I I do participate personally. But even still, I can only do so much. Thank you, uh, brother. I get I turn it back over to the... Thank you for your your comments. We seem to have lost our host for the moment, so as soon as we can get them back in, we will. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and take another caller. And uh, 1044, you are on live on the plantation. Well, hello. Greetings. We can hear you. Yes. Well, really, I wanted to say something to Kinetic. Is he still on? Uh, Kinetic sent a message saying that he is on but uh, I don't see which number he's calling in from. So apparently he can hear you. Okay, well, I just wanted to tell Kinetic that just first I wanted to say hello and to let him know that he's in big trouble with me (laughs) and that I'm going to beat his butt when I do see him. (laughs) This is Mother Ray. He knows who it is. (laughs) He's in big trouble. (laughs) And then... First, and then I'll, now we're going to get serious. I uh, wanted to say that um, to everyone that I wanted to let everyone know that I'm getting ready to start a committee, and I want everyone that uh, have a loved one, friends, or family that's behind bars to uh, get in contact with me. And if they have um, been sentenced to um, life without or life, uh, that fell up under the three-strike law. And uh, I really need them to contact me because I really need to talk to the family members. And so that's one thing that I wanted to say. Thank you, Mother Ray. Much appreciated. I'm going to try to get these brothers back on so they can continue the program. Uh, we've got... <clears throat> about a dozen callers on the line. If you have a question or comment, please remember to press number one on your keyboard so that we know you want to make a question or comment. In the meantime, we are at the top of the hour, and I want to give us a couple of minutes to get the brothers back on. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick music break. Please hold on, listen to the music with us, and we'll be right back after that, okay? As you may. Not knowing how to behave 
That this design that you made Just lose your life with the waste Your body found in the lake You fucked around in the fisherman Found you drowning for days You know we come from a place Where people smile but it's fake How could they smile if you look around It's around if I pay I've seen the sad and the same It took the life from the day It's like the heads of the state Ain't comprehending the hate That the oppressed generate When they've been working like slaves To get some minimum wage You turn around and you blame them for their anger and rage Put them in shackles and chains Because of what they became We are the monsters you made Call me the monster Call it a fake You lose them out of soul That turn us away Call me the monster Cause we said No way, no way, no way Call me the monster Make some mistake That there's only so much That you can take I bet they thought this was cool Probably thought we were fools When we would break all the rules And skip them classes in school Because the teacher them teaching What the white man them teaching Them European teachings In my African school So fuck the classes in school Fuck Mumbo Park and the fool That's like they found it for night Yeah, they've been lying to you Ain't no denying the truth See what I'm trying to do It's your life for the Mother's crying, we're dying, it's you Come walk a mile in my shoes See if you smile, it's the truth See if you die, just your fool That's when your mind have a clue Of what the fuck we go through You're fucking lucky if you Live through the day, better pray That God always stay with you Ain't fucking safe any day The reaper be coming for you We need a change and it ain't no way I'ma take an excuse Smiling cause finding a way We're fucking smiling the grave This is the price that you pay We are the monsters you made Call me the monster, call it a fake You make them out of so the dinosaur away Call me the monster, just cause they said No way, no way, no way Call me the monster, make some mistakes But there's only so much that you can take da 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 since we met you people 500 years ago, look at us. We've given everything. You are still taking In exchange for that, we have got nothing. Nothing. And you know it. But don't you think that this is over now? Over where? Is it over? You are live from the plantation that was Burn Boy Monsters you made uh, We seem to have had some technical Difficulties with our hosts We'll try to get them back on as soon as possible In the meantime I'm going to continue To open up the lines For those that have something to say Question or comment uh, If you have a question or a comment Please press 1 on your keyboard So that we know You want to say something In the meantime I do see that Brother Abdullah Still has his hand up so I'll bring you back in in the meantime. And, uh, Brother Abdullah, you are back on live from the plantation. Uh, I'm still here, Matt. Oh, you're there. Okay, awesome. I thought I lost you guys because I seen it drop off. Yeah, I'm still here. I know I know the rest of the – I know you had technical difficulties with uh, Amon and Margaret Ray and the other brother. Yes. But uh, 
<clears throat> I understand those brothers' uh, calls because I've been in the trenches with them. And as I said earlier, struggle as far as it goes with the prison issues is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed, like I said, we're in a we're in a election year where everybody's focusing on right now just these two candidates. And it's like, you know, people are struggling with the idea that you have two people that don't have the interests of black Americans in, at, at heart. And you're trying, and I, I hate to say it, but it is, you're trying to choose between the lesser of two evils. And we already know what we didn't got with one. And we see how he performs. And the other candidate feeding into the nonsense of this candidate, which is not making his character look any better than the first one. So I really don't know where to go with it, Matt, for real, because everybody is, is like everybody that I talk to. I engage a lot of people on their, you know, their political views because I I value and I respect all people's opinions. And I also do it in form of trying to just see where the next person's, you know, where their information comes from. Because I have a lot of people that I talk to that spout information but say they don't watch the news. So if you're not getting it off the news and you're not getting it off social media, where are you getting your facts from? You have to be getting them from some source. And when you when you utilize these sources, you have to be your own, you have to use your own discernment as far as what you're hearing is whether it's true or false. And a lot of people don't know which way to go in this country, but I know one thing, we're all tired. We're all tired. So that's about, you know, as much as I can I can say on that, and I'm, I'm really going to turn it back over to you. I, are we the only two on here, Max? Uh, no, we have a board full of listeners, uh, but there's only a couple people with their hands up at the moment. Uh, that would be yourself okay. and uh, Mother Ray. And Mother Ray, I know you may not remember me, but I met you, Kelly Ingram Paul, when you set it up for Melvin Ray that, that day there. I spoke because PBS was there, and I wish you the best, and I'm glad to know, and I will be contacting you on that about the the organization that you said you were trying to establish. And on that note there, okay. I'll turn it back over to you, Matt. All right. Thank you. Yes, yeah, Mother Ray, your, your mic is open if you'd like to reply. Okay. Thank you very much, No, I'm, uh, no. If he, he has He knows how to contact me. Ma'am, well, thank you, you have my much. contact information? Uh I don't have your personal information. I, I was just I was just figuring that if I needed it, if you want to put it out there, or I can I can give you my number, and you don't have to uh, put it out there online. I mean, over the air if you want to, but uh, I don't have your personal contact information. Okay, just give me your number. I, I, you have something to write with. 
Uh, yes. Uh, 205-535-8528. I'm sorry. 85-28. Okay. And my name is Abdullah. Abdullah Mumin. All right. I'll contact you. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, thank you. Awesome. Uh, thank you both. Uh, for those tuning in, you're listening to Live from the Plantation on Abolition Today at abolitiontoday.org. It is available on all major streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, uh, you name it, and we're on it. So you can check out the archives to hear previous podcasts and what the brothers have had to say. As I mentioned before, uh, our position is already precarious because we are live from the plantation. And we've had some technical difficulties that seem to have lost our host. But that's all right. I'm here, and we will continue the conversation as best that we can. Once again, I want to mention that if you're listening, and I see we've got about a dozen people on, on the line, and you have something to say, press number one on your keypad uh, so that we can bring you in and allow you the opportunity to make your questions or comments. I see we've got some fam calling in from Alabama as well, too. So if you got something to say, just press one on your keypad. I also have uh, Sister Jamelia Land's line still open. If you had any comments you wanted to add as well, or while we try to uh, hopefully get these brothers back on air. Thank you, Brother Max. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I, I'm interested in hearing from um, from the brothers is about how we on the outside who want to help um, how can we be educated? I, I understand that the, the politics and moving on the inside are very different from what it is that, you know, we, we know on the outside. So um, is there any way, you know, someone can, and can you know, come up with some ideas or, or draft something at least um, for me personally to help me be able to understand better and different as to, to how things operate on the inside so that while I'm working with people on the outside, we are, number one, not encroaching into space that we shouldn't be, but two, and most importantly, really understanding the politics of what's going on on the inside so that we could be more effective in helping you all on the inside. I wish that I could give you those answers on their behalf, but I am unable to do that right now. And uh, I've been told that the brothers are, some of the brothers are listening online, but they are not actually on the phone at the moment. So as I said before, we will continue as best we can. So uh, I'm going to go to the next caller. Maybe they will be able to answer that question. 2444, you are live from the plantation. 2444. You are live from the plantation. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Hi, Max. This is Savannah from Texas. So um, I can't directly answer that question, obviously, but I do know that um, the guys were working on something uh, to um, basically kind of bridge the gap and help um, folks on the outside better be able to, you know, support them. Um, but I just wanted to comment on, um, the questions that were raised about um, folks who were uh, coming, you know, returning to the community and, you know, 
not helping or not being as supportive as I guess they could or maybe should be. There are so many like um, uh, circumstances that affect that, right? And I know um, I organize quite a bit, but I'm always uh, I always try to be cognizant of like people's personal circumstances and situations because you know there's sometimes where we might protest at a unit and you know if we are approached by like law enforcement you know if someone is on parole or you know they're on some type of mandatory supervision like there there are so many um, situations that we have to be um, mindful of however like protesting isn't the only way that we can organize right and so um, part of uh, education like we yes we need to uh, know how we can support the guys but um, they need to know how they can support us also, right, and how we can work together. So, yes, we can do protesting. There's, you know, there's phone zaps or whatever, but we really need to learn what each other's strengths are so that we can know what role we play in the fight, right, because, you know, everyone's not able to attend a protest, you know, maybe someone's not working and they're able to call, you know, the parole board or whatever it is, right, um, but we we need to know what our strengths and weakness for one another a little bit better. Um, I'm glad that you did call because that will give us the opportunity to talk a little bit about this upcoming event that you are uh, spearheading, as a matter of fact, uh, in organizing, which is uh, something that the brothers are involved in, the Free to 13th movement. So if you want to uh, make a few comments on that, maybe people can help in that fashion as well. Okay, so I, I, I'm not really uh, spearheading, but I'm trying to uh, just help coordinate this event. So the Free the 13th National March and Rally um, is a five-day event. Uh, the first four days will be um, essentially a virtual rally, and we're going to have a panel discussion uh, with folks, organizers, and uh, folks who are currently incarcerated uh, to just have a discussion uh, surrounding um, the factors uh, around slavery and um, talking about how we can um, amend and repeal and replace the 13th Amendment in um, our local cities and or, and or states. Uh, so it's, the event's going to be October 26th, October 30th. The first four days, again, will be a virtual event, and we're working on putting out a digital flyer for that. And then on October 30th, uh, we will be organizing in our uh, respective cities and states around the nation, trying to raise awareness in our communities, and then uh, pull together uh, and just strategize about what we need to do to move forward uh, in our states. Thank you very much. Uh, the brothers just shot me a couple of numbers that they're on, so let me see if I can find them on the board so that they can get back up. So just bear with me for a second. And I'll see if I can get him back on here. All right. Uh, gonna open up two five six eight. Is that you guys there? Six three five five and three five nine five. I don't see any of those numbers on the board. Lord. Okay, there we go. Gotcha. Nine five three okay, five. Okay, got now, man. Um, we got you, brother. We got you. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> Hey, we apologize to everyone. Like we got um we got dropped off about twenty minutes ago and we didn't realize that we weren't on the show, so we just been having a full fledged <laughs> show on our conference call. <laughs> I'm talking about going in. <laughs> so, can y'all still hear me? 
Can y'all well, see we, me? Yeah, we, yeah. we can hear y'all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is Kent. Can y'all hear Kent? We can hear Am you, I brother own? Kent. Okay, okay, okay. I'm muted, I'm muted, bro. Okay. Yeah, we just had a, a technical issue, and it's something that we have been concerned about, and it actually happened. Um, but anyway, uh, we're still on the call. We're back online. So um, I guess we're going to fall back in. Um, I'm going to follow up on what Sister Savannah just said, and then we can move forward. Like she said that um, there are some family members who can't make it or other people in the community who can't do particular things. But the problem is we don't have everyone organized. Like we don't have a, a, a conference call where everyone's on, on the call where people are saying, well, I can't do this or I can do that, I can do it. It's not organized. And so that's the thing that we've got to do. Uh, when we were having a conversation with Brother Abdullah, uh, we spoke about that. And uh, we got to figure out a way to get all the family members, to get all the guys on the inside to start having these calls so that we can start communicating. Because without communication, we don't know who can show up and who can't show up. And so those are just deficiencies in our organizing. You know what I'm saying? Those are areas that we're going to have to show up on and tighten up on and do better uh, as we move forward. But we have to make a, a concerted effort to do that. Um, we, we followed up on what Brother Abdullah had said. Like I said, we, we had a long conversation about things that didn't get on the call. So I'm going I'm to go back to Brother Kent because he had interjected some points, and then I'll just follow back up on what he said, and we'll try to get back up to speed on the conference call. All right. Um, yeah, well, all right. I'm a, uh, Pretty much what I was speaking on was readiness. You see what I'm saying? It is a lot of a, a lot of time people wait on certain things to transpire to try to get ready. Whereas if we work now, we will be ready. Like for instance, like for instance, last year, I remind y'all, I'm in Mississippi. Last well no, this what was this year, pardon me. This year, uh twenty one twenty three was supposed to have got passed. House Bill twenty one twenty three. Okay, everybody waited, waited till the last minute so we got vetoed to try to organize something. All right, so the thing is, well, we're gonna do a, uh, we finna do a blackout. We ain't gonna spend no money on no commissary. This here and that there. Now here's the whole thing. I don't eat state food. I don't, I, I, I can't eat it. Health issues. You see what I'm saying? So I depend, I depend on my commissary to make it. And not saying that I'm not with. What's going on? But this spare the moment, man. Y'all, I, I ain't no way possible I could participate in not spending no money because I have to eat. You see what I'm saying? My point is, my point is, if we are ready, you see what I'm saying? If we are ready to do this, you feel what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure that it'll be many people that won't have a problem with doing it. But the readiness, what will prevent people? Let me give you another example. In, in, in the state of Mississippi, on the outside. You have many nonprofits that are doing a lot of different things in their small towns or their cities within Mississippi and things of that nature there. But when they have a rally or a protest, it might be 10, 15 people there, okay? And then they didn't put so much work into it when they have this rally and it's nothing but 10, 15 people there. Afterward, they feel bad, and they get to talking bad about the next people. Oh, y'all could have came and did this, and y'all could have came and did that. But the whole time, you never reach your hand out towards the next leader to help them. Whereas if you support this leader, this leader support them, then I'm going to come to y'all rally. 
I'm going to come to your protest because I'm looking for you to come to mine. But instead of them coming together to do it, or like I have presented to them, like I have presented to them earlier this year, how about we all sit and all these organization leaders come together, we start putting something in the pot, that way all we got to do is rent some vans. We can rent a van in each, in each individual uh, 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 region of the state. A van, man, really these vans ain't going to take too much money. You feel what I'm saying? And we, and, and we just all, we pick up people, drive them to the spot. You see what I'm saying? And we, we, we organize it to the point, are you going? Okay, can you carpool? Bet. Are you going? Can you carpool? I bet. The, all it takes is communication. It takes, it takes a leader to be able to organize it as well as it takes people to have the, uh, the, uh, the understanding that I've got to communicate. I've got to unify. And if we communicate and we unify, then things will be a whole lot greater. So when I, I, I want to go back to the part of what I'm speaking about, readiness, because I don't want no individual to feel that, that I'm standing against boycotting, I'm standing against uh, worker strike. I, I don't want nobody to feel that. But you have to understand, you have individuals that's inside these walls that pretty much make up the prison system. This individual may be making certain kind of plays to the point where, you know, if he don't make this play, it might, it, it might not be peaceful. You see what I'm saying? Not saying that he's not with the movement. But just saying that, man, it's a it's a it's a thing about being ready. Now is not the time. Just like yeah, when, well, when the Panthers well, went I'm to saying, the state capital. What I'm saying though is that we don't have anything on the agenda. We haven't called for any particular thing to go on. And when we do make these calls, I mean, like you know, we've been. I mean, the message been out there for seven years, and you know what I'm saying. It's some people who ain't did nothing yet. So I mean. It's, it's a process. We understand that. But it also comes a point where you have to say either you in or you out, you know. And so when we're talking about boycotting and, and, and boycotting and stuff, you know, don't nobody like the child hall food. That's part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? But still, ain't nobody dying from, you know what I'm saying, if we, if, if we, if we, if we go on something where we have to eat out of the child hall for a couple of months, you know, it's people that's been living out of the child hall for years. So if you have to make a – it's, it's not going to be – there's no way that we're going to be able to accommodate people's comfort zones and get something. You have to come out your comfort zone. If you have a comfort zone that allows you to eat free world food and eat off the canteen snack, you're going to have to come out of that comfort zone in order to get your freedom. There's no way that you're going to get freedom without giving something up. And if that's what you have to give up for a short period of time, so that you can go home and eat what you want to eat every day, then that's not asking too much of a man who's serious about wanting to get free. But the second part of the You're question right, you, had, you had asked, you had made the comment about, is it just something in Alabama or is it most days more nationwide? And I want to follow back up on that. And I'm going to be brief, briefer than I was during the time that we was off the call. What I wanted to say to that, he had asked that question, you know, is it just about a, uh, we've always been nationwide. That's how come we went from a, a few strikes in the state of Alabama to a nationwide work strike in 2016, and then JLS came with a nationwide strike in 2018. The thing is that, like, you were, you were giving it the analogy of the, the outside nonprofits and when they organize and come together and they go to the ground. Well, we have three core tenets that we organize from, work strikes, boycotts, protests. So 
we first have to get the outside nonprofits to understand the role that we need them to play in our movement. And those who are not doing that, right, we don't have it. There's no reason for us to be wasting energy with these people, and they don't understand the role that we need them to play in our movement. We have a specific role that we need nonprofits to play. It's not to organize stuff on the outside. It's to organize stuff on the inside. This is where the power lies. Once the inside is organized, then the outside organizations, when they have protests around, it's to highlight what's going on on the inside, the action that's going on on the inside. It's to get out front and make political statements in these state houses or wherever we need them to go. But the thing is, what, we, what we're seeing across the landscape is that the majority of the outside nonprofits, they got their own operator. They're doing their own thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's not connected to the inside in any way related to what the guys on the inside are actually trying to implement. You know what I'm saying? It may be some individuals that have non-organizations on the outside that's, 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 that's keeping their name and keeping their voice alive. But that's not a movement. When I'm talking about a movement, I'm talking about something that's representing everyone. And the movement is centered in three specific fundamentals that are all based in economics. We're trying to disrupt the system, the economics of the system, the work strikes, boycotting the phones, the canteens, the stores, and strategic campaigns, and then having protests by our family members while we're doing this, while we're doing it, not separate from it, but at the same time. See, that's what we've gotten away from. We've gotten away from, from everything going on at the same time. Now we're just having protests. But the protests are not being backed up by the work strikes and the boycotts. And so that's the reason why there's not the, the 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 mobilization of people that we need to see because we don't we don't put the the dog we don't put the the cart before the horse we're not giving the people that's on the outside anything to support we got to do it it starts on the inside the nonprofits and all these people have got to help us organize the inside and everyone has to understand that this is the power base. This is where the million and billion dollar industries and this is where the billions of dollars in labor is controlled at on the inside. So that's what's got to be organized. We shared an article earlier today. We're going to go to a break after this and then we're going to come back and bring more callers on. I shared an article this week. Securus is making $1.75 billion a year. We're not making. This is, what they're, this is how much revenue they're trafficking. We got the article up. Hopefully, we can pull it up and someone coming outside of the break can come on and read a little bit. Of, I'll come and read from That's $1.75 billion, almost $2 billion. We have, we can, we, I'm talking about, as we're having this call, we have the ability to seize that company. Right now, while we're on the call, by simply saying we're not boy, we, we boycott. That's a $2 billion hit to the economy of however many prisons that's doing business with this company. So what's so hard about that? Why can't we understand that we can put these companies out of business and put the for-profit prison structure out of business through embracing economic principles? And that's what we need the nonprofits to help us get that message out and to help us organize that. Otherwise, they're not helping us. It's just like what we're talking about. We're here to debate the debate. The stuff that they're talking about is not going to solve our problem. 
these nonprofits that's out here running around doing the things that they're doing that's not connected to our three core principles, they're not helping our problem. And so we got to do the same thing with these nonprofits that we're doing with them politicians. We got to come together, organize, and attack. We got to come together, organize, and attack. Anyone that's not about what we're trying to do, we got to attack them politically and economically. Um, this is live from the plantation, coming to you from behind the walls of fences and cages in the marriages, America's dungeon and slave plantations and labor camps. We come every Thursday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Our sponsor is Abolition Today. Um, we're going to go into a radio break, give one a few minutes to kind of unpack and think about just, you know, unwind and, and just allow some of this information to resonate. And after the break, we're going to come back on and we're going to head down the stretch and get ready to close out. Thank you for listening uh, live from the plantation. We'll be back.
the back live. Thank you uh, once again. We're live from the sanitation, uh, calling from inside America's prisons, jails, concentration camps, institutions. Uh, we're debating the debate. We're talking about politics. Uh, we're talking about this issue that some people call mass incarceration, some people call slavery, some people call prison slavery. Whatever name you use, we know what the problem is. There's over two and a half million people who are without their freedom in the so-called land of the free, home of the brave, and it's all based on economics. Um, as I was sharing before the call, um, this week an article was written by Sandy Huffaker in the uh, – she, she, she published a story – I'm sorry, it was well, not this week, June 6, 2020. Uh, by Christopher Blackwell of Truth Out. And um, the name of the article is Companies Are Using Pandemic to Squeeze Money from Incarcerated People Like Me. And he interviewed a guy who's incarcerated. And this is just one of the statements. It says, prison companies like Securus and Global Telling break in over $1.75 billion annually and hold close to 6,000 contracts with prisons and jails across the United States. And so the point that we're making by saying that we're basing, we're economically based movement, uh, attacking the economics. When we say boycott, we saying that that's a company that those practices are easily uh, remedied. We can boycott. And when you're talking about moving $1.7 billion worth of revenue out of these contractors and their, their, their contracts with these, these, these uh, departments of correction, you're impacting the operating budget of these companies. These people are here to make money, and this is how we attack that. We have to attack it head on. We can't do it, you know. And when I say we, I'm talking about the guys on the inside. We keep sitting back wanting the nonprofits to do it. We keep sitting back wanting the legislators to do it. We want everyone to do something except for us. And it's a lot of people that's selling that. They selling that poison. Oh, you don't have to do nothing. Just sit back. We're gonna handle it. We're gonna uh, email the legislators and this and this and this and this. And that's a slow death that they selling us. And so what we're saying is that when people speak for us, those people who align themselves with us, our allies, we have to allow them to speak with a voice of power. And that's how we do it. When you want to make changes and securities, boycott them. And and, and, and and kill the profits for their investors. No dividends being paid. The stock crash. The the CEOs, they can't get paid because they're not getting that one point seven five billion. They'll listen to you then. They don't want they ain't gonna listen to you now. You can call and complain all you want. Organize a boycott of one point seven five billion dollars annually and watch and see how the response is. And that's what we're trying to get people to understand. So uh, we're going to go back to the calls. Uh, we thank you for calling in live from the plantation. we got about 15 more minutes for the show ends. Uh, Matt, we have any other callers at this time? We don't have anyone new on the line, but everyone who has already spoken, your line is all open. So if you have something else to say, just feel free to speak up. Go ahead, brother. Y'all can hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, you know, I've been uh, sitting back listening to uh, the dialogue between the brothers about different issues and different tactics and strategies and so forth. And I want, I want to, I want to clarify uh, something. You know, uh, the brother expressed that you know, at Free Outdoor Movement, we have three uh, fundamental 
uh, principles that we organize around. And the reason that we came up with these three fundamental tactics is because we were educated in the understanding of the judicial system. We were educated in the formation of businesses and, you know, business administration. And with that education, uh, we began a critical analysis of our problem, of our situation. And after, I'm talking about, I can't even imagine how many hours of being in the mass jig or being in Cypher or being at the Nation of Islam, Juma, or at the Moorish Science Temple Service, you know, these dialogues, these, these debates and these dialogues and these exchange of ideas. Uh, but in the process of critically analyzing our situation, we understood that the prison system was economical. It was about money. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about uh, being right and wrong. It wasn't about crime and punishment. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about that. You know what I'm saying? They used that as a pretext, a cover over. But it's a big business. It's about money. So when you understand business, saying that if you don't meet your projected bottom line, then you have to start downsizing and eventually go out of business. And we translated that to understand that, hold up, wait a minute. We contribute all this money to these people. These people making all this money off of us. They continue to get check after check. Wait a minute. Let's try this. Let's try that. And we tried different things until we got the desired effect and we were sold on work strikes through experience. You know what I'm saying? Me personally, um, I was educated about work strikes in the 90s uh, when many, many brothers at Hoban uh, understood that when they wanted something, when they wanted to get something on the store or they wanted something additional in the prison and they wanted some movies on the weekend, they threatened to stop go making those tags. And we're talking about a billion-dollar business. And, you know, no matter what you say, nobody wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah, okay, we hear you. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, all right. But when you started talking about we're not going to make them tag, the ward and the whole front office would come down. Hey, hey, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? What we, what we need to do? Because Montgomery is going to put pressure on this slave master on this plantation because you ain't bringing in your quota. I, I gave you a job to make sure that they stay in line and that they produce a billion dollars with them tag. Now, what's the problem? So they begin, they begin to become accommodating. What is, what is it we can do? What do we want? We evolved from that and understood that, hold on, we fighting for privileges. We fighting for little, you know, little hand-me-down. We need to be fighting for what we really, really want, and that's our freedom. And we began to understand that by bringing brothers together and shutting industry down, that the shakers and movers that be behind the scenes, they all show their face. They all come out. They all got something to say now because we got to get that prison back running. I don't care what you do, get that prison back running. We need that money. Whatever they tell me they want, if it ain't got to be going on the other side of the fence, give it to them and get that factory back to running. That's the approach that they came to us on each time. So we understood the effectiveness of work strikes. Everybody textbook understands how boycotts work. So, you know, we understand that it's about money and boycotting is about killing the bottom line of these companies who contribute to our oppression. You know what I'm saying? This is how we came to these things and understanding that once we do something economically on the inside, once we do this and we put out, then people on the outside got to show up at these prisons protesting at these parole boards 
that's when the protests become effective. That's when we get the media in to these protests to find out, well, what's really going on? Well, that's what's going on. You can talk to these brothers who are on the inside. They can tell you because we got control of their industries. When we control their industries, we control the conversation. So, yeah, we, through trial and error, through critical analysis, through our experiences, we came up with a solution, not the solution, because somebody else very well may have a solution that may work for that uh, situation. But what we have always uh, proposed to brothers on the inside uh, throughout the Alabama prison system, uh, brothers that we have communicated with in other states within their prison system, you know, we've all communicated about, you know, what works and what don't work. And, you know, saying at a collective level, uh, we understood that coming together, shutting down, presenting our demands and so forth while we boycotting and people protesting, it brought results. And if we come together on a collective level and have a conversation, you know, say a real conversation about what will work in order to execute our demands. We can't sit around and talk about, well, you know, them over there, you know, he live, he live out the kitchen, or, you know, he hustle and, you know, he ain't got nobody sending him nothing. Uh, you know, he got the, you know, the dope boy got to try to get their pack. So, you know, all these things. And I explained to people six years ago when we was at home that you can allow a handful of people in prison to hijack and hold your freedom hostage based on their likes and dislikes by what they want and don't want and by what they should get off the store and so forth. If you allow a handful of people to allow their comforts and their little fetishes or whatever it is they do in here, you understand, we know what's going on in here, all the brothers on the inside. You know all of the dynamics going on in here. But this is my thing. Men got to stand up and demand that this is what's done and regulate. Because if we allow a handful of people to sit and talk about, well, I got to catch the stove. Well, I ain't got nothing. Well, I'm trying to get a visit this weekend. Well, I'm, all of these privileges and all these things that we didn't use to pacify ourselves, to rock ourselves to sleep like it ain't that bad to be locked up, that we can do it, I can maintain, I can handle this and all that. All those illusions and all that, you know what I'm saying, that go out the window. You know, those people don't control my destiny, and I'm not going to sit back and allow them to control my destiny. They will not hold my freedom hostage. If necessary, then what's necessary? If it's time to get free, it's time to get free. I'm not concerned about whether your uh, relationship in here going to fall apart or whether you ain't going to be able to steal out the kitchen so you can get you an item or two or you ain't going to be able to run your store. I don't care about none of that. It's 27 years in and out and been through all kind of things. And I refuse to allow somebody who has surrendered to the weaknesses in their environment to control my freedom. So I'm going to say I ain't going to fight for freedom because dude over there, they ain't going to do this because they stuck on. No, you're going to get right, get out the way because we moving forward. And, you know, I just wanted to iterate that to explain that, you know, we didn't just say let's do work strikes, let's do boycotts, let's do protests. No, we sat down for years and discussed this entire prison system, this entire court system, and we developed ways to attack this, this system at where it's weak at. And through our study and our analysis, we understand that this is an economical situation and it requires an economical approach. So we promote, we implore, and we ask all brothers on the inside to study, analyze this prison system and the situation we in this prison industrial complex and present an effective solution. And I promise you, if you got a solution that works, then we more than with it. 
You know, we right now on work strikes, boycotts, and protests because through our experiences and our study, this is what we have determined will work in addressing our problem. But if somebody has a more creative or more inclusive or whatever it may be, present some ideas of a solution, and we need to stop debating about the issues of prayer. We know what's going on. We know it's messed up. We know it needs to be changed, but we got to start doing something about it and not just talking about it because, you know, as the brother was saying earlier, brother's getting prepared, and, you know, you know, we done been through this before. If we wait six months before we call the action and we talking about it amongst each other in the prison, we trying to organize, how long do you think it's going to take for it to get to the administration and they understand what's going on and try to neutralize it by everybody who was talking about it, let's get them and get them out the way. So we have to move. When the spirits say move, when the spirits say move, we move it. I'm not going to sit around and, and keep talking about it and allow the opposition to, to find out the details of the plan and what's going on, who this and that, so they can begin their process of neutralizing that. We have experienced all that. We have experienced retaliation and oppression. You know what I'm saying? We just did 57 months in a sale. You know what I'm saying? Behind organizing it's right because they know we right. And the whole thing is to discredit us or to get us out of the way so that everybody else can get back to trying to make it through prison and survive them all every day, trying to hustle from God to some table to mouth, instead of thinking about the things that really affect them by thinking about their freedom and ways to get it. So, you know, I just wanted to clarify, you know, why we have those fundamental uh, tactics at Free Alabama Movement. They tried and they tested. We developed them through study and analysis. And if anybody got critical analysis of what we have developed a solution, then we're more than welcome to hear any input on that. And I peace with that. Appreciate that, um, Man, the three-point plans of action, protest, uh, boycott, and work strike is proven, and it works. And it was just reproven again last month. With, uh, it was a post that was made about pro- sitting down on September 9th. It wasn't written in stone. It was really something that was just about the uh, the the in, in commemoration of 1971 Attica Prison Riot, a National Commemoration Day. But these people didn't know that. They took it automatically, thinking that Alabama was shutting down. So you had first regular police pull up saying, "Hey man, man, I don't know what y'all gonna do on the night, but I ain't going in no kitchen and making no food." I ain't going in that kitchen and making no food. I ain't doing nothing. I don't know how they're going to feed y'all. Next thing you know, the next day, folks is sitting at the table with the warden and all her cohorts, and they asking what y'all want, what's your agenda. See what I'm saying? They don't ask that. They don't call you up there and ask you what you want and what's your agenda when we do nothing else. But when we talking about sitting down, when we talking about hitting their pockets, we talking about shutting down that chemical plant in St. Clair to do $25 million a year, we talk about shutting down a tag plant. We talk about not checking out on them crews that you don't know is already CLS, convict leasing system. You going out there, them folks getting paid $15 an hour for your head. You getting 40 cents. You feel what I'm saying? When we start talking about shutting that down, that when them folks got a problem. And like bro said, downtown going to want to know what the slave uh, master with the plantation owner or, or runner, and what, what, why you ain't got them folks working. See, that's when they get spooked. That's when they start calling you to the table and coming down the hallway. What can we do? See what I'm saying? What can we do is we don't want nothing added to the stove for you to make more money off of us. What we want is we want a criterion for parole. What we want is we want freedom. What we want is we want rehabilitation. We want to be uh, uh, 
will actually be able to be recognized for our rehabilitation. Those that already went through the process, they didn't took these programs, they're still getting denied. So, you know, that's what works. That's what's been working. We done tried everything in the book, and ain't nothing else working. Before we close out, I know we're running out of time. I just want to say, man, rest in peace to Demarcus Harrison, E.T., that was my little cousin. He died under very uh, strange circumstances that found the night before last. We pretty much know, know that he was killed, but we just don't know the details to it yet. So, you know, y'all send a prayer for my little cousin, man. And, uh, yeah, man, it's real. The struggle is very real. At the protest the other day, they had photos laid out of all of the people that died in the system this year. Man, it, it took up so much space on the ground. The photos of in, uh, convicts that died just this year is ridiculous, man. You know what I'm saying? So if you're on the inside, man, you need to start taking your situation serious, man. You need to stop, you know, thinking about uh, being comfortable and start thinking about, you know, being free, man, because our situation is detrimental. And we need to come together. We need to go on and get on the same page from top to bottom. All youth organizations, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, y'all is who you is, and it's time for you to do what you do, fam. You know what I'm saying? You got to come on in, fam. got to come on in. All right, man, peace with that. I'm ready to close out another show. Uh, I want to just say, you know, because we hear this all the time. We done heard it so many times, you know, about getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. When it's time for a game war, they don't need no time to do that. They can be ready to kill as soon as the violation The whole game, everybody ready to kill. The brother that just got killed that we just, ain't nobody give him time to die. Ain't nobody give him time to call his mom and this and that. The person who cared out the act, they didn't say, hey, we need, I need to get ready. You know what I'm saying? Nobody never need to get ready for it. But none of the bullshit that go on in the prison. But when we start talking about freedom, Need time to get ready. Need time to get ready. You know what I'm saying? So it, it becomes a crutch. It becomes an excuse. And it becomes, you know, that's the reason why we attack it, because we know how detrimental it can be to the struggle. You know, when the police came and got you, they did not give you time to get ready. When they charged you with that crime, they didn't say, well, we're going to charge you with a crime. Uh, how much time you need? You need six months? Uh, you need to get your free world clothes put? They don't, the system don't give you. So we know you don't need time to get rid When they told you it was time for that jury trial, they did not get time to get rid When he gave you all that time that you can't do, he didn't say, well, before I see you to these 100 years, 30, 50, whatever, I'm going to give you time to get rid We don't never think about the fact that we ain't never had time to get rid to do nothing within the system. But now when it's time to attack, we need time to get rid We need time to get rid That's something else. We'll talk about that on another show. We don't never need time to get away. Um, but when it comes time to sacrifice, we need time to get ready. We need time to get ready. Thank you for calling in. Live from the plantation. We'll be back again next Thursday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Appreciate you for joining in. Uh, we're going to finish up on uh, these conversations about politics. Uh, we're going to continue talking about debate because we didn't get as much of it in as we wanted to. But we are going to get some of our need your phone. Someone's got a lot of static in the background. Um, we're going to follow back up and, and, and get back into this conversation because our politics, the, I saw a definition of politics. It said politics are the customs, the laws, the way of life that a people use for their survival to thrive and prosper in life. And so we have politics that we have to, to implement for our survival to thrive and prosper in life. 
work strikes, the boycotts, the protests, those are our politics. Those are politics that we use to deal with our situation that we suffer in. So I just want to reiterate that one more time. Connecticut just broke it down, gave an excellent analysis. Appreciate our brother calling in from Mississippi, Alabama, our sister calling in from California, Texas, people calling in from around the country, you know, and we just have to turn up. It's time for us to turn up our turn up because the system is all, they are already hot. The system is hot, you know what I'm saying? So we got to turn up. Thanks, everyone. See you next Thursday, live from the plantation. In the words of Abdullah Amin, freedom or death.
Hey, what's up, man? Appreciate it, Mac. 